Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and the leading producer of quality fertilizer products. This podcast is intended to facilitate the transfer of knowledge for farmers and crop advisors, improving farm profitability and environmental sustainability. Grow the future with Yara. Hello, I'm Ken Rundle and with me for this podcast is Natalie Wood, Yara's country arable agronomist. Every year, Yara commissions research projects exploring the latest thinking on crop nutrition and productivity. And this is a good time of year to review that work and the lessons learned. So just to kick off, Natalie, how's the research organised and where does it take place? Yeah, so we, as you mentioned, we, we have trials all over the country, really, because we want to get a broad range of different soil types, different varieties, um, and just make sure that we've got a broad range of data because there's no point doing the same trials on the same fields because you're not going to learn a great deal. So it's making sure you've got that geographical spread um, and also the spread of different varieties as well. And then on top of that, I suppose a one-off trial isn't any good either. You've got to try and have it spread over a bit of time. Yeah. So as you say, one-off, it could be a problem with different weather conditions or it could have a pest um, on that particular year. So you can't really do any trials work just looking at one single year. So what we tend to do is have a minimum of three years and then you can start to get a good average for, from that because you'll have had several seasons, um, different conditions. Okay, that's, that explains it. So let's get down to it then. Let's start with sulphur. That's still an important factor. Yeah, definitely. Um, why sulphur is interesting is because it leaches quite a lot. Um, and that's why we try and do a lot of research to look at the little and often approach. And what I mean by little and often is, as it sounds, you're applying nitrogen with the sulphur. Um, so you're not applying it all in one hit that has that potential to leach with certain weather conditions and you're spreading it out with your nitrogen applications. And we see on average a half a ton to 0.85 tons per hectare average increase of that. But we have actually seen an increase of up to 1.4 tons on wheat. Um, if we look at, I guess, this year's trials, then 2020 results showed a 4% yield increase in wheat. So, yeah. We're still seeing good results on, on all sites that we're looking at. This is one of these good returns on investments that you're looking for all the time. Yeah, so the, the return on investment for sulphur is particularly good. Um, if we look at wheat, for example, then if I said the average was the 0.85 tonnes per hectare, that gives you a return on investment of 5.4 to 1 on wheat. Um, and an even better um, on oilseed the extra half a ton that gives you a return on investment of seven to one which sounds a bit too good to be true but yeah seven to one okay let's move to the key cornerstones now which i suppose is phosphate and potash p and k the thinking on those is slowly shifting as the climate changes and farmers adapt their field work to challenges like floods and droughts late seasons early seasons what are the key messages there you're getting uh, well what we tend to do is do a lot of trials looking at autumn versus spring P and K. Um, the reason for that is autumn conditions, obviously like we're having now, there's a lot of rain, potentially cold, wet soils means that phosphate availability in the soil is very low. Um, and actually once that temperature gets to below eight degrees, then the phosphate is less than 15% available. So autumn isn't ideal. Also, if you're on index one or above, then you've probably got enough P and K in the soil to get you through that establishment period because it, it's only putting on a small amount of growth, so it should get you through. So what we're thinking is in terms of crop demand, 
that's a peak in the spring. So 70% of phosphate is actually taken up in a four to eight week period between March and May. So therefore we want to feed the crop when the crop is actually requiring it. Um, and yeah, we've seen some yield benefits as well from that. Um, and trials show that on average, you can expect a 4% yield increase from a spring PK versus autumn alone. Um, and if we look at this year's trial in particular, we got 4.9% increase there. So again, some really good um, results for those kind of differences. And that's little and often again. Um, so yeah, I mean, we do different trials looking at just the timing alone, but also at different rates. Um, and this was from a little and often application, but just from a spring single application as well, you'll, you'll get a benefit over an autumn application through the availability um, and the demand. And I suppose there are different products to, to help with that variability, are there? Yeah, so the, there's different sources of phosphate as well, which perhaps people don't realize. Um, if we think of orthophosphate to start off with, that's immediately available to the crop, um, which sounds great, but actually it starts to lock up quite soon after. So within two weeks, up to 40% of that phosphate can become unavailable um, in the soil. Polyphosphate is another form that's broken down over time to orthophosphate. So you've got a bit of more of a, a season long supply with that because it takes a while to break down. And then there's dicalcium phosphate or DCP, which is citrate soluble. So it actually relies on the, the roots putting out exudates and dissolving that product itself. So um, our Yaramila products have all three sources in. So it means you've got a season long supply of phosphate there. That's the major nutrients, if you like. We've spoken also about the crop-specific micronutrients before, but you've got some good long-term data now on, on those. What, what information can you pull out from all that data? Yeah, so um, I won't go into the crop specifics too much in terms of what they are, but they're just a micronutrient mix of those key nutrients for the target crop. Um, and we see a lot of deficiencies still in those key nutrients, so it, it's not like it's a, a done deal. People are, are used to applying them. Um, so yeah, we carry out trials each year looking at Gramatrol and Brassatrol, um, Gramatrol being the wheat product and Brassatrol Pro being the uh, oilseed product. And yeah, we've got six seasons worth of data now for both of those different products. Um, if we start with Brassatrol, then we got a 0.66 tonne per hectare yield increase this year from two litres in the autumn, followed by another two litres in the spring. And if we look at November prices, then that's well over £200 extra income, which of course more than pays for the, the application. There's also an increase in oil content, which meant a higher oil bonus as well. So really good data. And if we look at the long-term data, then that shows a 0.3 tonne per hectare average response from breastroll in the autumn and the spring every year. So you can pretty much rely on that 0.3 tonnes per hectare. But it also suggests that anybody not paying attention to micronutrients is suffering those kind of losses. I, can't, I know you can't equate them completely, but it does give you an indication that if you're getting that much of a boost, uh, there must be a, a, a degradation in, if you're not taking any, uh, any action. Yeah, and as, as I mentioned, the, the tissue results that we get into the laboratory often show that crops are... Um, deficient in not just one but maybe up to three of those key nutrients um, so yeah there's, there's definitely room there for improvement um, which is why Gramatrol particularly is, is such a great product because we see some good responses with that as well so this year we got half uh, 
0.55 tonnes per hectare, you'll benefit from three litres in the autumn and the spring. And that's around another £100 extra per hectare there. And again, the long-term data shows the average yield increase, again, of a third of a tonne from that autumn and spring application. So both of those crop-specific products really are giving that half to a third of a tonne to half a tonne per hectare extra yield. Well, that's good news there, but that's not the only micronutrient trial you're carrying out. What lessons were learned on the other trials? Yeah, so uh, we had an interesting trial that we did this year looking at timing and rates of different micronutrients as straights. Um, and then I guess some of the head headline results from that trial were half a litre of Coptrel, which is our copper product at growth stage 30 or stem extension, gave an amazing yield increase of 059 um, tons per hectare from a single nutrient. Um, so therefore that just reiterates that that growth stage 30 timing is very important for, for different micronutrients. Um, another good result was 0.54 tons per hectare from one litre of Zintrac at growth stage 30, then followed by a litre of Bortrac at growth stage 39. So yeah, we're getting some really good results from these micronutrient trials. However, this was one particular year. So again, we, we will be repeating this for a further two years just so we can pull out the, the headline data from that. But what it does emphasize is this is complicated chemistry and it's not the kind of thing you can speculate on. You need a fair bit of technical advice from the likes of yourself as to what product would be best. There's no point in applying the wrong product. Uh, you have to know exactly what it is, what issue it is you're trying to address. Yeah, definitely. So tissue testing does help if you're unsure as to which um, micronutrient you might be lacking, or you could go with the crop-specific approach that's got all the key nutrients in, um, and then you've got most of them covered. But I would still suggest to do a tissue test in the spring so that you can see really um, and get that attention to detail if you're lacking a particular micronutrient. Well, that's, uh, that's some, if you like, some cutting edge technology. But after another year of field trials, I wonder, are we any further forward in the, the age old argument about straights versus compound fertilizers? I mean, surely as everyone tries to drive costs down, there are some attractive looking deals for straights out there. Where are we now with that argument? Yeah, so some, some people, as you say, still prefer straights as opposed to compound fertilizers, but it, it might not be as cost-saving as you might actually think. Um, trials have shown that you can get 2 to 11% um, yield increases, depending on the crop, by using a compound fertilizer over straights. So on certain crops, such as potatoes, for example, then that's going to make a massive difference, 11% yield increase on the profit. Um and of course, there's a lot fewer passes if you're going with a compound fertilizer versus a straight. So you're also keeping fuel costs down when you're using a compound. If you're looking at um, N, P, K and S separately, then obviously each one of those is landing in a separate area. Um, so you could have a P over here and N over there and a K over there, for example. Whereas if you're using a compound fertilizer, then every single landing site has got N, P, K and S in it. So you've got a greater coverage overall of all nutrients. Yeah, and we've done, done some work to look at the variation that you can get um, using a blend. And what we did was look at a certain blend over a spread pattern and we got 33% below the target rate of nitrogen and also up to 18.5% above the target rate of nitrogen. So you can see some real variation there and nitrogen is the key yield driver. So any variation that that gives 
will immediately um, in a short term start to affect the crop and that's why you might see striping or if um, there's been over fertilized areas then you could see lodging. So it's still very much a matter of uh, thinking hard about what seems like a good deal. Hmm. So we've tended to focus on wheat and other cereals just now but are there any other arable crops that you want to mention coming from the trials? Uh, yeah so if we think back to oilseed rape um, what we were thinking in terms of the later application, so the idea of keeping that crop greener for longer during that seed fill period to give that extra yield. Um, we know that manganese keeps crops greener, therefore we looked at a couple of products, Mantrac Pro and Glytrel MNP. So they're both foliar products that contain P. Uh, Glytrel contains P, but they both contain manganese. Um, and we saw that a 0.68 and 0.58 yield benefit respectively from those applications of Mantrac and Glytra at the end of flowering. Just keeping the plant more active by keeping it greener, mm. more photosynthesis. Yeah. Great. So how would you sum up today's advice? A lot of figures there, a lot of stats, a lot of it good news uh, apparently. But in case farmers have missed some of those stats, what, does, what should they do? Yeah, so a lot of information is on the website um, or it's been covered in previous webinars and podcasts. So, yeah, we've got a lot of that data already available to the public. Um, and I mean, data builds evidence-based knowledge to apply to your farming crop. So it is great to invest back into the farm and increase that efficiency through using these kind of data sources. Um, we do trials to help inform decision-making on farm. And that helps everyone be more efficient. And that's exactly what we need in this day and age in terms of the environment and other key factors that, that go against us in terms of efficiency and just making sure we're doing a good job overall. Natalie Wood, thanks for that. With less chance for farmers to meet folk like you at events around the country, it's been a good opportunity to update everyone on Yara's thinking. But they shouldn't forget the website or the webinars either. Meanwhile, you can hear our next podcast two weeks from now. Join me. Ken Rundle, then. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.